Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places close to our home. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome to episode 86 of the Places Where We Go podcast. 86? 14 more and we're at 100. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So just as a preamble to today's episode, I am coming off of a cold of some kind. My, this is the first time today I've been able to speak, so we thought that we would do this podcast before we actually take off for a little over a week of travel, so we will be gone soon, and if we don't get this episode out, it'll be even more weeks. So we've right. been speaking about travels in Poland, and this will be our last episode of our Poland travels. And today we're going to be talking about day trips that you can take when visiting Krakow, Poland. That was one of the funnest times in Krakow that we had, I thought, is just going on these these day trips that were outside of the city because mm-hmm. they were pretty exciting places. Yeah, and we did a few of them. So we ended up booking two separate tours when we were in Krakow. One day was a half-day excursion to visit the Wieliczka salt mine, and then we had a second tour that was a full-day excursion to the Tatra Mountains and Zakopane. And you and I would also take a third trip out of Krakow to a place called Częstochowa. So we're going to talk about all of those places today. Two of these tours we booked with an outfit called Prime Tours. And we'll have a link in the show notes to them. And we'll list them as well in an upcoming blog post if you're interested in booking a tour with them to visit some of the sites that we discuss in today's episode. So let's start out with tour number one, Julie, which was to the Wieliczka salt mine. A very exciting place to visit. I was didn't know what to expect at all. I'd never experienced anything like this at all. It was in a cave-like experience, so you would go way down into the earth, basically, to get to these mines that have been dug out over, oh my goodness, it must have been centuries, to find these extravagant and exciting sculptures that were made of salt. It was just... It was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I think about here in the United States, we have, especially in the Western United States, still a number of mines that people can visit and you can go down in some of them and there's, you know, the train tracks below and you can see how they've built the walls and built the tunnels, etc. But you go to the Wieliczka salt mine and it's like entering this amazing art museum. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. So this is a place where the rock salt has been mined Since the 13th century, all the way up into the 20th century, this industry of salt mining was the oldest of its kind in Europe. And the Wieliczki salt mine was found just 13 kilometers southeast of the Krakow city center. The tours that you mentioned, the prime tours, picked us up at our hotel. It was early in the morning and we had booked our tickets in advance, which is highly advisable. 
And upon arrival, we were able to go directly into the mine itself. Yeah, so we were able to skip the line outside for people. Because we had booked previously. Yep, yeah. Yep. So it was it was the way to go because it's very, very crowded. I think it's a very popular destination for people um, coming into Krakow. To get to the main attraction, you have to make your way down this curving stairway that is nearly 400 steps. So for anybody that's challenged, just know that, that that's there. And as you get down to these uh, last steps, that's the level one of the mine. So the mine has different levels that you enter into. Overall, I think th that we traveled about 800 steps deep and we continued to make our way through the mine even after we left those steps and started um, exploring the rest of the mine. It is way, way underground. I did not get a sense of claustrophobia or anything like that. The steps were a little challenging and, and a little tight. Yeah, I seem to remember them kind of going around like in this circular Yeah, pattern. so it felt tight. But I do sometimes get a sense of claustrophobia. So I never got that in this mine. So you're going way, way down. It's more than 300 meters deep. It's one of the most amazing things that you will ever see. There are impressive galleries. They contain artworks that are entirely made of salt. Overall, there are nearly 2,400 chambers connected to the winding underground tunnels. Once you make your descent into the underground labyrinth that you're in, you step into a world of these carvings that appear, it's like being in a Tolkien novel. They just mesmerized you. It was, it was just absolutely amazing. And the stories behind them are amazing too. Everything you see is made out of salt. The walls are salt. The floors are salt. All the artistic creations are all made of salt. They're chiseled into the rock salt and they create these statues. There is actually a room that is a chapel within these mines, which is amazing. And these sculptures depict the religious and biblical scenes because the, Poland is predominantly Catholic. So it's a chapel that's very Catholic. I don't yeah. know how to, how to describe it a otherwise. Very religious country and culture. Yeah. So you've got your altar. You've got, I mean, they literally have mass down there. Mm-hmm. That's that's how it is. There's a lot of sculptures and things that are chiseled out of the wall that have Poland's historical past, the story of it within the sculpture itself. There's notable artworks, including a life-size statue of Pope John Paul II, who is now St. John Paul II, and a salt sculpture of da Vinci's Last Supper. Pretty darn cool. The main attractions is the chapel we spoke of. It's the Chapel of St. Kinga, which is dedicated to the Hungarian Princess Kinga, who is claimed to have brought salt mining to Poland. Legend has it that she cast her engagement ring from Prince Bolesław of Krakow into the Romanian mine and later told the miners in Vilichka to dig in a particular spot in which the previously discarded ring had appeared. The St. Kinga Chapel is adorned with chandeliers, which are absolutely amazing, and they're also created from the rock salt. Some call this area the best acoustic space in the world. Would you agree to that? 
Arthur? You know what? Hard to say. I, it would be nice to experience a music event down yeah, there. I think yeah. that would be the test. Yeah. There was no such event when we visited. No, but, but it did have a certain sound yeah, that yeah, was yeah. very distinctive. The creations you see were not made by professional artists, you would think, because they're so beautiful, but they were actually created by the miners themselves. Absolute masterpieces. Yep. Underground in these mines, it's cool, so the temperature keeps a steady 14 degrees Celsius. It's not so cool, however, to need a jacket, but you kind of want to know what to expect. Today, Vialichka is no longer an active mining operation. It is, though, an incredibly unique place to see. Our entire tour from the time we were picked up at the hotel until we returned back to Krakow, that lasted about four hours. Two and a half hours of that time was in the salt mine itself. A few things to know, during our visit, there was an additional charge for permission to use a camera while inside the mine. So if you want to take photos, there may be an additional charge you have to pay. And on the subject of cameras, because you're underground, it's very dark in the mine. So having a camera that can take good photos in low light is a good thing to have. And visitors do get a headset so you can listen to your tour guide during your time in the mine. So when you're with your group, you're going to be spread out a bit. So the, the headset really helps in being able to know what it is that you're looking at, just given how far you, you could be away from the leader of your group. And we have a few fun facts about Vialichka. So starting with this one, the mine is as deep as the Eiffel Tower is tall, there is 178 miles of tunnels through the mine. The mine is a UNESCO World Heritage Site and is one of the first 12 that are established by UNESCO. Julie, you mentioned that there was a chapel in the salt mine. There's actually four chapels located within the mine, so there's a whole... Um, there was many places for religious experiences within the mine during the centuries that the miners were there. The origin of the salt, many people believe that table salt comes from the sea, but white table salt is in fact rock salt and almost always comes from salt mines. And there is a wellness complex in the Vialichka salt mine. So for somewhere around $40 a night, you can spend extra time if you want to be in these tunnels and caves to breathe what some say is some of the cleanest air in the world. So that was Vialichka, and on another day, we would have an early morning departure to do our next day tour out of yes. Krakow. Yes, and we say we. We uh, did travel with your mother. So she was in her 80s at this point. What, 80? She was 80? Just knocking on the door of 80. Yeah, she was just knocking on the door of 80, and she did very well in these excursions that we took, these two that she went with, went with us to, the, the last one she did not. So our next excursion was in the mountains, and it is a place called Morski Oko. What's the mountain range, honey? The Tatra Mountains. Tatra Mountains, yeah. yeah. So it, we started out again. We started in the morning, and we took the trip from Krakow that turned out to be a very long day. We got on a bus. The whole day turned out to be 14 hours. So we did start, like I said, bright and early at 7 a.m., and on this day, we would go to Morski Oko and the town of Zakopane. 
After a two-hour drive from Krakow, we arrived at the mountains for the first stop, which was the Morski Oko, but it would take a bit more time to get to this attraction. So they drop you off by bus at a certain point, and then uh, some people choose to walk. There is also other forms of transportation, that one of which we chose to take. But first, let me tell you about Morski Oko, which is a famed lake, which translate in English to Eye of the Sea. The lake itself sits in the middle of the Tatra National Park, and the surrounding mountains are known as offering the best hiking in Poland. Once we arrived to the parking lot, our trek to Morski Osko was just beginning. As we said, there was a walk that people average about two and a half hours if they're walking one way. But there was the other option, which is to take a ride in a horse-drawn covered wagon. And that's what we chose to do because we did have your mom with us and we were concerned that she wouldn't be able to walk that long distance. Yeah, I think it's eight kilometers one way to walk, so there's no way she'd be able to do 16K. And th- there were there was hills there too. It was hills because yeah. it was a mountainous yep. area. So we decided to take the horse-drawn carriage, which was a very interesting experience. I think your mom enjoyed herself. As you're in the carriage, you know, obviously you're viewing this beautiful area, this national park that is just, you know, mountains, the forests, you know, the streams, all of that is is there for you. And it's it's very beautiful. And you're looking at people as they're going up, we're going up the carriage and people are walking and you can see this longing look by some saying, man, we should have done that. I also remember the, the gentleman who was driving, I don't know if that's the right term, but he was, you know, guiding our horse-drawn carriage, he was dressed in, it's that traditional Highlander Polish Mm -hmm. dress. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I think it's kind of common in that area. You you do find the locals who dress in that old traditional style. Yeah. So you will see that. It is a high tourist area. You know, a lot of people come up and visit Zakopane, especially. And so I'm sure the locals play into that tourist type of theme. When we arrived, we booked the horse-drawn carriage right then and there. I don't think you can pre-book the horse-drawn carriage. Yeah, at least when we visited, there wasn't pre-booking available. So I knew, I had read something that said when you get there, if you wanted to take the carriage, you could, or the wagon, you could do so upon arrival. Yeah, and also when we were there, there was a extra 10% charge if you wanted to pay by credit card. Mm -hmm. So if if you have cash, you you can avoid that fee. Yeah. So you'd want to bring the required amount of money in the Polish currency. Have that on mm-hmm. you, right? And, and pay directly, right. and it'll be a little bit cheaper. The wagon only went to a certain point, probably because that's as far as the horses could go, and you still had to walk about one and a half kilometers from where those horses stopped. It's not a long walk, and then you'll arrive at the largest lake in the Tatra Mountains. Now, for us, being from the States, our reference point for large lakes include Lake Tahoe in California and the Great Lakes of the Midwestern United States. This lake is nowhere near the size of these mammoth lakes in the USA, but still, it is a large lake in that area, and it was absolutely beautiful you know what when i was looking back at some photos recently of it it reminded me a little bit when we were in montana and in glacier we took the grinnell lake hike Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and kind of like the size, the of, size that, of, of that lake, kind of comparable, I think. Yeah. And even the color was somewhat comparable. Yeah. Very crystal clear. But it was so absolutely gorgeous. A slight greenish tint to it, too, I think. We walked up to the lake and we looked across to the mountains on the other side, which still had patches of snow, even though it was June. There were fish jumping out of this clear green colored water. And at its lowest point, the lake is 51 meters deep. It was formed by the sculpting process of the last ice age and glaciers slowly carved the basin, which filled with water over time. Today, much of the sediment that formed the lake is washed away and in places you can see up to 15 meters down through the water. That's how clear it is. Mm-hmm. So the name Morski Oko came down through time as a popular description of the lake that was given by tourists. It had been called Ribby Staff or Fish Pond by native highlanders who lived in the mountains. And that was a reference to the native brown trout that lives in the lake. But it has become, over time, known as Morski Oko. I think, Julie, as you mentioned, translated to Eye of the Sea. Mm-hmm. When you're there, it's not permitted to swim in the lake. You can't fish in the lake, and you can't boat in the lake either. There is a lodge at the edge of the lake where you can get a drink or a bite to eat. We had stopped in there for some drinks after we had spent a little bit of time viewing the lake. For people with extra time to devote to visiting this area... There is a hostel called Stanisława Staciska, which has 77 beds. So if you want to stay the night, there is a possibility to get a room and you can spend some more time here. Know that during the busy summer months, the lake attracts over a thousand visitors every single day. It's hugely popular and it's a wonderful place to visit if you're in Poland and if you're a person who loves nature. On the way up to Morski Oko, we stopped at a place called Chapel of the Sacred Heart of Jesus in a town called Yaschuroka, and I hope I'm saying that right. So this chapel was built in 1904 in the traditional Zakopanes style, in this, and so it's kind of this wood folk art style. Outside, the structure has a steep rooftop, on top of which sits a small bell tower, The natural-looking wooden construction blends in with the natural forest environment. And inside, the wooden chapel has a wood-carved altar. The building has colorful stained-glass windows. It's an impressive folk art-style piece of architecture. And it's a common stop for people who are making their way to the area. So it's something that you might Mm -hmm. put on your list to um, give yourself a roadside stop when you're in the area. Next stop was Zakopane. This is one of the most popular tourist destinations in Poland. This mountain resort destination is close to the border of Slovakia at the southern end of Poland. It has the highest elevation of any town in Poland. Zakopane is known for wintertime skiing and summertime hiking. It holds the nickname the winter capital of Poland. Zakopane is famous for old folk tradition, including the Gorale Highlanders heritage. People here speak in the local dialect, and you'll likely see locals, as we had mentioned before, dressed in the traditional folk attire. We had heard for years about this place as being a must-stop. In the winter, we suspect it's amazing. However, during summer, it reminded us of a tourist trap destination. 
The main street, Krupovki Street, was lined with stall after stall of vendors selling food items, souvenirs, and clothing. And I did buy a shirt there. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I still have it. And every time I wear it, people comment on it. Is that they right? love it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You're going to find all sorts of locally made goods for sale, including sheepskin coats, sweaters, wool slippers, and traditional wooden walking sticks. We walked around and looked at the items that the vendors were selling, but we had no intention of buying anything except my shirt. If you are into shopping, this is great for you because you can walk up and down alley after alley from vendor to vendor, and there's all kinds of things for you to enjoy, eat, have fun. But for us, it was not really part of our reason for being in Poland. We knew we weren't going to bring much back because we had not really packed. We had not a lot of luggage we could pack stuff back in. So we were very cognizant that we didn't want to buy much. Mm -hmm. We did buy mushrooms, or your mom bought mushrooms, which were promptly thrown out. When oh, we were well, getting on the well, airplane. When we tried to leave the country? Yes. Because you, you couldn't bring those kind of food It was stuff. heartbreaking. It yeah, was she, heartbreaking. She was disappointed. Oh. Yeah, so I guess on that note, if you buy food in Poland, eat it while you're there. Eat and, it while you're there, or it goes in uh, your, not on your carry-on luggage. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that Zakopane is known for, however, is the smoked cheese made of salted sheep milk. It's called Oshipik, and it is exclusive to Poland's Tatra Mountain region. We initially had a tiny taste, and it was okay. But by the time we ate more, it was a bit overwhelming for us. It was very strong, Mm -hmm, very mm -hmm. strong cheese. So if you love strong cheese, that's the cheese for you, because it was good. Yeah, it's like the thing that everybody was eating in the area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in all fairness, though, that we were only in Zakopane for a couple of hours, and our tour took us to the main tourist area of Zakopane. So that's, that's all we saw. So yeah. that's all we can speak to. Beyond that, however, Zakopane enjoys a vacation reputation for its wooden villas that go back all the way to the late 19th century. These provided inspiration for authors, composers, painters, poets that used to frequent that area over and over again. Yeah. For people who enjoy outdoor activities, Zakopane attracts skiers from November through March. And during the warmer months of the year, outdoor activities enjoyed here include cave exploration, cycling, swimming, and tennis. And for tourists like us, there's strolling the streets, enjoying street performers, and entertainment in the area. And we didn't know this during our visit, but are sharing with you that Zakopane has at least nine local museums plus art galleries and theater companies. So I think one of the things you might want to think about is if you book a tour, if you want to spend more time soaking up this area, you may see about something that doesn't take you back and forth to Krakow in the same day and maybe something that even allows an overnight stay. That would allow you to enjoy some of these museums that are here in the area. A note on travel also to Zakopane from Krakow. The towns are only about 100 kilometers apart, but a one-way journey can take three hours or more as traffic congestion is very common 
and road conditions often limit the ability to travel quickly between the two areas. Besides driving in a car, options to get to Zakopane from Krakow include buses, private transfers, and there's also trains that run from the Krakow Głowne train station. Mm-hmm. We're uh, fans of the train. I think that's one of the cheaper ways to go, and it's it's mm-hmm. it's it's very nice travel. Yeah, I find it relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. One more stop we had as a day trip was to a town called Częstochowa. So our final excursion was to see the famed icon of the Black Madonna at the Jasna Gora Monastery. So my mom had been there several times previously. So for this trip, it was just you and I. Yeah, she was tired. Yeah. Yeah. So she stayed behind and you and I hopped on a train from Krakow. And one and a half hours later... Got off the train, found a taxi, and made our way to the monastery. The tour here was another one that we booked in advance, so all we had to do was find our private tour guide, and we were on our way. And that was a little bit of a challenge. Finding the... Finding the private tour guide. Yeah. There's a bit of um, an expanse to the monastery, so I think we weren't sure exactly where to go. We ultimately, you know, found we found it. M- but, met up yeah. with with the person, but um, had to get orientated. Is that a word? <laughs> we just had to find the right spot. So, a few notes about the Jasnogora Monastery. It is the largest pilgrimage site in Poland, and it's the third most visited site of its kind in the world. On the grounds is a fortified Polite monastery and the holy revered icon of the Black Madonna, which is only unveiled two times per day. The history of the Black Madonna icon includes an association with St. Luke the Evangelist, who many believe was the icon's author. The image was discovered in the year 385 in Jerusalem, and it had made its way to Częstochowa, Poland in the year 1384. The Byzantine-style icon depicts the Virgin Mary holding the infant Jesus and pointing to him as the source of salvation. There are scars on Mary's cheek that are claimed to be the remains of sword marks from Bohemian robbers who looted the shrine in the year 1430 on Easter Sunday. And this image is honored as miraculous for the defense of the monastery when Swedish troops attacked during what what is called the Great Deluge in Poland. Afterwards, King Jan Kazimierz proclaimed the Mother of God, the Queen of Polish Crown, on April the 1st, 1656. And for people who are interested in this history, I think there's two books that I would mention. One is... There's what's known as the Trilogy, written by Henry Sienkiewicz. He received the Nobel Prize for Literature, I think like in the early 1900s, for these three works. And within the novels, there's this very detailed description of the history of this image of the Black Madonna, what it means to Poland. And that work of literature... I don't know how many countries have something like this. I know like for Greeks, the Iliad and the Odyssey by Homer mm-hmm. are so central to Greek identity and Greek culture. For Polish people, these works by Henry Sienkiewicz, the the, the Deluge and, and the three uh, parts of the trilogy, it's the same thing. If you're Polish, that's the literature that you know. It's like It's like you almost can't be Polish without knowing 
those three novels. There's also a book written by James Michener, and I believe he's American. I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. But, but he's written just many historical novels, many of them centered on specific countries. And he has one that's written about Poland. And in that book, there's also a pretty good detailed description of the Black Madonna icon as well. At this site, we saw the Great Basilica, an armory, and the treasury, which holds votive offerings that have been made to the Black Madonna since the 14th century. We also walked to the top of the 106-meter-high bell tower to see beautiful views of Czestochowa. During our visit, entrance into the chapel containing the famous icon was initially restricted because it turned out that the prime minister's son, who was newly ordained as a priest, was celebrating his first mass there. It was packed with people. Mm-hmm. Packed. Packed with people and high-profile security. Uh-huh, yes. Of the Secret Service type. Yeah, it was, it yeah. was absolutely amazing. Yeah. And there, there was a girl at the site who kept checking when we would be able to get in, and the time was getting pushed out. Mm-hmm. A little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. It was kind of like it might be 20 more minutes or it might be a half hour. She wasn't sure, but she kept checking. I'll give her that. Yeah. Because, of course, in this mass, which was his son's first mass, it was very high security, as you said, and only invited guests were allowed to come in. So everybody else was waiting outside of the chapel, and it just kept getting packed and more packed and more packed. So we kept getting closer to the entry, I had a bottle of water, and a security person saw it and said, drink in Polish. I didn't know that. Which you you, did, you yeah, told me. Yeah, you had no idea what he was saying. Yeah, I was just like, what? <laughs> he was barking something at <laughs> yeah. you. And uh, so apparently I'm like, uh, English, please. So he told me to drink it. So obviously when you go into this chapel, you do not bring food or drink in Yeah, at all. I think their concern was not so much that you couldn't bring it in. I think they wanted to make sure that there was nothing nefarious with the liquid. So he wanted to make sure like it wasn't flammable or something. Yeah, so if I drank it, apparently it was safe. Yeah. It was water. Yes. So the gist of it was he told me to drink it, but I didn't have to swallow the whole thing down. He was just checking to see if it there was something in there that shouldn't have been in there. So we were trapped in this, we'll call it a hallway, where you could actually see inside the chapel... And we were able to get a glimpse of the mass that was being celebrated by the prime minister's son. So that caught our attention. And it was being celebrated in what we call traditional manner or ad orientum, which is what we're familiar with. Well, you and I are familiar with. So yes. what is, what is oh, that? That's what I mean. You and I are what familiar with What does that mean, ad orientum? Facing east. So they're not facing the, the people. people. Yeah. They're facing the altar. Mm-hmm. And and Jesus himself. So finally, this mass concluded and we were allowed to enter. And it felt a bit like the experience we had at this particular concert at a band that I loved called Flogging Molly. Yes, Once Upon a Time in Pomona. An unforgettable experience, huh, Julie? Yes, because that was one where we were getting pushed so tightly to the edge of a balcony that we thought we weren't going to survive it. <laughs> it, yeah, was it was pretty yeah. scary. So we were getting kind of pushed and 
Not crushed to the same extent, but... Um, it felt like it. Yeah. It was... I mean, people were pushing and pushing and pushing, and there was no way that you were going to be able to turn around and get out. Yeah. You, you just had to just keep getting pushed up, and we really didn't even know how close we were going to get to the icon. I just know that we just kept getting pushed up. The other problem was following this mass was another mass. Yeah, so back to back. And yeah. and I think that happens there frequently is where there is kind of mass after mass after mass because it's a pilgrimage site and pilgrims who come there may have priests with them and they celebrate mass there. So you have to kind of make your way through those schedules. Yeah, so and I think that this particular special mass pushed back the viewing of the icon of the Black Madonna. So the following Mass, I mean, we had gotten in there and literally they were trying to set up for the next Mass. Mm-hmm. It was, it, it seemed like pandemonium. Yeah. But we did get in and we did get a chance to see this famous icon. Which was absolutely stunningly amazing. And and I don't know if it was our connection to Catholicism or the connection to the Polish people, or what it was. But for me, it was extremely moving Mm -hmm. to be able to see this incredibly beautiful icon that has the story that it has. And next to it was the stole that was worn by, it was then Pope John Paul Mm. II, in his assassination attempt, and it still had his blood on the stole, and they had it enshrined in a case next to the Black Madonna. So that was pretty cool, too. So the next thing we know, uh, we're kind of being told by this lady to sit down, you know, sit down, sit down. And we're like, and we realized that the the next mass was starting. And we're like, oh, no, 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 no. We got to get out of here yep. because we don't want to sit through another mass. We yep. don't want to sit through this whole mass. And it was difficult to get out because there were so many people. Yeah, it, I mean, basically, we were crawling out. Yep. Um, I think people realized we we're trying to get out, so they were trying to accommodate and kind of move over, but it was so packed. So that was an experience I don't think I'll ever forget. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a bad experience. I mean, it sounds bad, right? But it wasn't. It was a great experience. It was wonderful. Yeah. It was absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Something I'll never forget. I want to go back. I mean, I, I would go back there in a second, in a heartbeat, because I think there's still more to see there. Mm-hmm. Okay, some things that you should know is due to the sacred character of these places of pilgrimage, you should be wearing suitable clothes and behave appropriately in Yasnagora, which is, a, you know, the whole place is a very sacred place. You'll want to reserve your visit in advance. That's an absolute must. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's do a fun fact. So while you're in Chestohova, When you're in town, you can see the tallest Pope statue in the world. It's 13.8 meter tall statue of no other than Pope John Paul II, who is the Polish priest, if people didn't know. The statue was funded by a businessman who believed the Pope played a role in rescuing his son from a drowning tragedy in 2010. And as a thank you, Leszek Lysen commissioned and funded this statue. The statue itself has had controversy from complaints surrounding the quality of the sculpture. Nevertheless, it's one more thing you can see here in Chestohova. And on a related note, for people who live in the United States, and we learned about this just a few months ago, 
There's an annual pilgrimage walk that venerates the icon of Our Lady of Częstochowa in the U.S. And the American Częstochowa, as it is known, is in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. And for the last, I don't know how many years, but it's an annual event these days. There's a 60-mile walk that takes place from the St. Peter and Paul Church in Great Meadows, New Jersey. And over a period of four days, Thousands of pilgrims participate in this and make their pilgrimage to Pennsylvania. And this event is related to the same icon, the original icon, that is in Częstochowa, Poland. So there's a way to experience a connection of this in the United United States. States. So we mentioned that we had booked part of these travels through a tour company. It was Prime Tours. We found that it took some amount of stress off the vacation when we were there. They handled all of the related scheduling, the tickets, the transport. We had drivers and guides who spoke English. They were cordial, they were accommodating. So when you're in Krakow, these tour options are another great way to see more things that are nearby while you're spending the night in Krakow. And that will kind of will wrap up our time in Poland. As we round this out, we're just going to tell you a little bit about where we were in Poland very quickly. So if you're interested in Poland, look back on our podcast and we'll have those will be available for you that will help you plan your trip if this is places that you'd like to see. So we went to Szczecin, which was a place where uh, Art's family is from, Gdansk, Malbork, Torun, Poznan, Wrocław, and Krakow. Those are the places that we went to. There are so many other places to visit in Poland, and we plan on going back. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. actually, so on that note, this will be our last podcast of the year. So we're rounding it out with this recap of Poland. Mm -hmm. We will be taking a few weeks off because we are going to be doing, we're starting our 2023 travel in just a few days. So we have in this upcoming year, we've got some domestic travel, and we know from the get-go we'll find our way to Sedona, Arizona. We'll be at the Grand Canyon. I know that before the year runs out, 2023, we'll do several more domestic things. We have some things locally in the Santa Barbara County area that are on the calendar. But we also had just recently booked several weeks of travel back in Europe. One Mm -hmm. of the places we'll get to again is going to be Gdansk, Poland. Mm -hmm. But by the time we get to summer 2023, we're hoping that we'll be able to take you to, I think it's somewhere around at least seven countries Mm -hmm. around the Baltic Mm -hmm. area. So we should be back with the podcast probably by mid to late January. And we have a whole bunch of things ready in the wings more travels that you can come along and join with us and learn about the places where we go. And as we always say, to help you plan your future travel adventures. So thank you for joining us. As we spoke about our Poland trip, we hope you get a chance also to go to Poland. It is an immensely rich and wonderful country. And I think you would absolutely enjoy your time there. Yeah, I think also if you're looking for places where you get good bang for the dollar. Oh, sure. Eastern Europe in general, you know, fits that bill. And Poland is just has so many wonderful places to visit. So, all right. So for now, we say do widzenia. 
and we will be back somewhere in January, and we hope that you join us for our future podcasts. If you have any comments or information to share with us about travel, you can write to us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram as The Places Where We Go. You can find us on Twitter as The Places Where One, the number one. And you can watch our travel adventures on YouTube, where our channel name is The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.